welcome to Sunday Chats 969, the podcast where you can listen back to interviews that were first broadcast on All FM 96.9. We are an award-winning community radio station based in Manchester. And on today's episode, my special guest is the fantastic writer and actor... Bronte Appleby, and we're chatting to her today about the release of her latest play, Have a Break, Have a Kit Kat, which is currently playing at 53-2 Manchester from the 14th of June to the 24th of June. A play not to be missed. Enjoy this. Welcome to All FM. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Very, very excited. Oh, it's, it's really good to speak to you. We've got you on the show today to celebrate the opening of your new play, Have a Break, Have a Kit Kat, which I believe you've not only written yourself, but you're performing as one of the, the lead characters as well. Yes, that's true. So I've been writing this play for uh, about five years. Oh, wow. And um, yeah, I know. Um, and um, I, I think I work best as an actor writer. So um, yeah, it's been really great to actually be in it and work with uh, Isa, the other person in the cast, and we've had a really great time. And it's set in 2022, so I was going to ask you when did you actually write this. So, so because it's set only last year, it's going to be very relatable to everyone. Yeah. So, so when did you make the, the decision that you were going to switch this in, into that particular time space? Yeah, so we had um, a research and development last year. The big question was like, when is this set? Um, because I started writing it before COVID happened. Wow. And then obviously this, uh, yeah, this massive event happened. So I was like, oh, I can't really shy away from that when writing a play about death. Mm. And I, I was a bit stuck with it and I put it in a drawer for a while. And then 2022 happened. Sure. And um, and I, I just thought there was already references to like the royal family in it already. Okay. Um, which oh, is quite useful. Yeah, very useful. And um, I had I had a very interesting uh, interaction. I actually wasn't in England when we found out that the Queen died. Okay. And um, coming back to England a few days after the, the Queen died was just like being in a different time, a different space. And I was like, this is such an interesting um, take on like national grief. Yeah. And um, so I was like, it'd be really interesting to see if we could change it from be um, from. Cause obviously, we touch on like personal grief and communal grief. What happened if we talk about national grief? Mm. And actually, setting it in 2022 and having like these landmarks of like the jubilee and the Queen's death um, was actually uh, really really worked with the the script and how we were developing it. So, but it got changed to be in 2022. That ended up being um, such a nice piece of serendipity for you in a, in a strange kind of way because, you know, there you are, you've got this big um, focal point. But, but with mm-hmm. you being all the way in a different country at the time when it happens, mm-hmm. did it give you that sense of objectivity, do you think? Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I think especially I had, um, so I was on like an exchange in Italy and I was staying with a family that didn't speak any English um, okay. and, and, and they and they found out first before me and it was like they didn't want to tell me because it was like, a, a, they thought it was like a close member of my family had died. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I just thought, oh, that, that was that was so interesting yeah. to me that they're, they're broaching this with me, even through language barriers and coming back and having this objectivity of how this is being like approached because there are the people that are finding out about it in like supermarkets weren't they yeah um, yeah and coming back it was such, it was such a bizarre time for absolutely everyone and a bit like a period of like national mourning and national kind of shock all like oh what what do we do now what's what's going on um and i thought that was just really interesting to broach because the, the queen was kind of like she was just our um our relative, in a way, our relative that we didn't have. She's just like this, this nat um, national grandma or something. So we could never yeah. really imagine what life would be like without her. Um, but grief is still a very difficult topic for, for many mm. people. So, so how important was it for you to write about this subject? I mean, is that the reason that you decided that you wanted to write about it through a, a play that can be more of a, a conversational piece? Yeah, definitely. I, th I think that like the first time that you go through grief, it's kind of like, oh, and it, it's it's this experience that is so alien to anything else that you've ever encountered before. And I was like, I, I want to write about it, but how do I write about it in a non-triggering, sensitive way? Mm. And that's why, I've, and that's why I think it's taken me um, so long. To, to do it because it's about getting the balance right because you don't want anyone to leave the theatre feeling triggered. Yeah. But we we always like one of the best ways to kind of sum this play up is that it's an exploration of it and it kind of shows the the joy of celebrating someone's life. Um and of course there's like there's heaviness to it and there's very deep moments. Um but it's about what does it mean to make memories, what does it mean to carry on memories from people when you are left behind when someone else has moved on. Um, and they're, they're so much fun, like, um, I was talking to someone and they're like, your funerals are awful, but like, if if you somehow catch a giggle at a funeral, it's the funniest thing in the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of, um, the play kind of explores this dichotomy of like, we carry on living with all of our joys and all of our quirks whilst having this really serious thing happen to us. And I think the play explores it in a very sensitive, personal, um, but explorative way. I think it's a, it's a great way to actually talk about grief, and and I do believe that this is a dark com comedy. You describe this as a as a dark comedy as a, its genre. Yeah, I I mainly write comedy as a as a playwright. Okay. Um, but I, I think with with the subject line, there, there's that kind of there's that natural kind of darkness or melancholy to it, and the the humour is very cutting. There's there's joyous moments. There's moments where we are like Kit Kat fencing. Um, ah, and, so that's the yeah. origin of the name. Yeah. Well, there's I think we get throughout. Me and I are getting through 33 Kit Kats in the entire run. So that's all <laughs> I was going to say, was any chocolate used in, in the making of this? Oh, <laughs> too much chocolate. When we were shooting the trailer, um, we actually had to like stop and take 10 minutes because we were like, 
We're eating too many Kit Kats, like we actually feel a little bit sick. Oh gosh, but that's great advertising because anyone going into the supermarket now, they're going to be like Kit Kat. Oh, there's that play um, going on in, in Manchester. But I've been seeing all your um, promo online and stuff and it does look a, a, a lot of fun. It looks like it's been great mm -hmm. fun for you getting all the little sound bites out there and stuff like that. So, so what has this process been like for you from, from taking it from, from the, the page to the rehearsals and getting the promo out. Yeah, of course, of course, it's been like quite a long process for me, and a lot of it has been me just staring at a word document, waiting for things to come onto a, a screen. <laughs> um, but it, it kind of all ramped up at the start of the year where I, I pitched the show to Switch, and they really liked it. Mm. And um, uh, my good friend Kitty Ball, who directed it, had some really interesting ideas, and we kind of built a. Uh, a concept for the show and then getting into um rehearsals um you know sometimes when you go into something where you know grief is very personal sure. like, oh, is, is this going to be triggering is this going to be a hard experience but yeah. actually no it, it's been really um joyous and the and very very fast paced um but yeah. very like the, the play has been very loved and i think myself and i also feel very um safe and it's all gone very very smoothly and now we're just really excited to finally get to share this story with a lot of people. Wake me up before you go, go. I 
this is your, your opening night, and I, I think that um, one of the most important things about the COVID era is that it's given us more a, a collective understanding of grief, hasn't it? Because some of, so many of us have lost people through that time. Mm -hmm. So this is a, is a great time to, to reflect on grief in, in general. So in some ways, when you wrote it, it may not have been as accepted as it will be now. Do, do you feel mm -hmm. that? Yeah, definitely. Cause we, we have we have a new vocabulary for it, right? Like, mm. there's like there's there's a scene where um, my character is asking to steal like the last lateral flow test in the packet, right? And and even that one itself is I I'm trying to put procedures in place to make other people safe so bad things don't happen and illnesses don't happen. Um, and I think we we know how to talk about it a bit better, but still struggle to talk about when we lose people. Sure. And this play is, is just a conversation, just, just like any other conversation has like deep moments, happy moments, joyous moments, jokes, playfulness. Um, it is just a one hour, 40 minute conversation. Oh, brilliant. It's a vocabulary we have about grief already. So you've got two lead characters, Nick and, and Laura. Did you always want to be the, the one that played Laura? Did you, did you write it from the perspective of, I'll write this because I know that I'm going to be saying these lines? Not necessarily. I think when I, I was writing it, I really wanted to write two um, very polarising um, perspectives or takes or ways that people um, explore grief um, but the, the more that we were kind of reading things through and we yeah. had um, I was like oh I, I think I quite like to do this um, oh. and then during the research and development we had two separate pairs of um, Nick and Laura's so I was paired with a wonderful actor called Matt Khan and then we also had uh, Sky Cody who's actually one of the producers on this project now and a great actor called Ross Thompson um, and it was wonderful to see all the different dynamics and it just so happened that Isa got attached and we thought I might be a good fit for Isa and I thought oh I'd really like to play this character I think I could do it really well that it was just opportune timing. I think that it's great that you're actually performing in it as well as having um, written this. And we need to explain to the listeners that in this play, Nick and, and Laura are actually cousins, aren't they? So do you want to tell yeah. us a, a little bit about your characters? Yeah, definitely. So Kit Kat follows two cousins. So um, Nick kind of has a more chronological uh, timeline through grief. It's that we, we start the play where he has just lost his dad and he kind of explores what his masculinity is to him. Like, does he try and follow his dad's footsteps? Mm. Uh, should he like buy a house? Is that the next logical thing to do? What do you do with your inheritance? What do you do when you're trying to like um, administrate, you know, trying to close phone phone accounts and stuff like right, that. Right, yeah. Um, whilst Laura is just kind of the polar opposite, she's a bit of a, a live wire, a little bit of a party girl who has been through her own experiences and really wants to be the person, be like Nick's person to help him out. Um, but they kind of bash heads a little bit and although they do need each other, they kind of have this resentment and conflict um, to whilst navigating grief. 
Yeah. And, and obviously that that's um, it, it's really good to kind of explain the the, the dynamics within a, a family, how people discuss grief between e each other. And I guess by having the characters as cousins as opposed to siblings, it may give you a little bit more scope to to play a, a, around with because there's just a, a tiny bit of distance, isn't there, that, that's created by that relationship. Yeah. Yeah, you don't normally see cousins on stage, but no. I, I was I was really fascinated by the idea that this is someone that you have all these kind of shared memories with, but you could have a completely different class background, a completely different education, completely different thoughts and opinions. And I think allowing them to have a little bit of space away from each other was actually a really great way to diversify the, the explorations, create a bit of conflict and allow them to kind of, spoiler alert, come together at the end. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not so much of a spoiler because there's so much going on in between. And we've got the, the two lead characters. I, I saw something that you posted on TikTok, I think it was, about this being mm -hmm. a, an ensemble piece. So, so yes. there are some other characters involved in this as, as well as the the two leads isn't there yes um so we kind of um grief is often accounted to sound or noise in our show mm. and we and we thought that was important that nick and laura are the only two people on stage because they're the people that share this connection and share this experience in a very specific way that they're, they're both the same age they both have very similar memories sure. but you know they're, they're surrounded by friends, they're surrounded by family, they're surrounded by their, their workplace and the news. Um, and so we worked with a really great sound designer called Hannah Bracegirdle. And we've got to record different members of the family. We've got to record um, like news broadcasters, radio DJs, estate ah. agents to try and make this world really busy and really manic so we can kind of understand the emotions of what they are going through. So, so these are like audio samples that will be played at various parts of the play? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Well, I was quite um, excited when I heard that you had a radio DJ. I thought, well, I'm, I'm excited to see what, what that will sound like. <laughs> um, but, but in addition to this, what, what you're actually doing when the play is on is you're going to have um, a, a BSL performance of this as well, aren't you? So, so when did you decide to, to incorporate that? Yeah, so um, here at Switch, we always try to make sure that our performances are accessible. So we've always worked with um, a BSL interpreter on basically all of our productions. And during um, the R&D that we did last year, we worked with uh, Judith Juggle, our BSL interpreter, um, because we, we just want to open the experience up. You know, if you're having a conversation, we can't exclude people from joining us. So that's why we have a BSL interpreter performance, and we have two captioned performances as well, which are captioned by the fantastic Emily Bowles. Oh wow, that, that's that's amazing. I mean, I still think that that's like pretty new in terms of seeing a show and having the, these other um, experiences with it. It's nearly always just the, the show with the performers on stage and, and nothing extra. So it's really good that you're in, including this. Yeah, um, it's something that like I, I really enjoy and also i feel like it adds another kind of layer to it because it's all about communication yeah and it was it was so interesting during the r d to to watch sky and ross perform as the characters um but then see see judith act as the act as the characters as well and it, it added this lovely like development to it so not only is it great to be accessible and make sure that you know local theater um, has this representation, but um, it also kind of adds like another layer to it, which is really fantastic.
No, I, I do think it's a really um, unique experience that you are creating with this. So do you want to let the, the listeners know how long this play is actually running for and how they can pop along to see it? Yes. So this play is running from today, um, the 14th of June, until the 24th of June. We have about 10 or 11 performances. Um, tickets start from a fiver. Um, it's on at 53.2 in Manchester, right by the um, AMC. And you can get tickets at www.switchmcr.com slash Brilliant. It's been great to, to speak to you, Bronte. Before I let you go, do you want to just let us know a little bit more about what Switch Manchester is about? Because I'm sure there's lots of listeners that have not heard of this, but it's a, a fantastic hub of creativity, isn't it? Yeah, Switch MCI is um, a really fantastic collective of um, emerging artists from Manchester um, and basically we strive to make really exciting new original and um, accessible work for, for people and uh, opportunities. So every month we have something called a switch lab where we get to um, basically put some new writing pieces up in a rehearsal room and um, help new writers develop them a little bit. Um, we've also done comedy nights, um, we had Laugh Now Cry Later a couple of months ago, uh, we've done a horror play we've done a double bill um and we're always uh innovating and trying to make um something original something fresh and something fun so there's always something for everyone at switch that sounds fantastic it sounds like as if it's something that's continuing to to grow from strength to strength and off the back of everyone like being stuck in their houses and not being able to see live performances it's invaluable at this time isn't it yeah, definitely. I think, you know, life, life theatre is well and truly back. And I think that Switch don't take any risks on trying something new and being like, this is our time. Uh, we've, let's make something that people want to see. Let's get people out of uh, the houses. We're fully aware that people are in a cost of living crisis and times are tough. So we want to make sure that, you know, if you're paying your money to go out and see something, we want to show you a good time or help you on your artistic journey. And this is an absolute bargain at a fiver. I mean, it's, it's definitely worth um, popping along to. Is there anything else in the pipeline for you then, Bronte? Has this given you the, the bug to write more plays or do more performing? Definitely, definitely. Um, I'd love to continue KitKat and see where this journey goes. Um, but I think, I think it might be a little bit of a holiday time for me and then seeing if uh, a, a new idea uh, percolates. Um, there's, some things, there's some ideas that I've got and it will be, it'll be very, very strange but very exciting to write something that isn't this play. Well, you know, now that you started with Kit Kat, you could make your way through the chocolate bars, couldn't you? If, if, if you could exactly. Think of it. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm, sure that, I'm sure there's a play about the Yorkie bar somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> been great to, to speak to you. Look forward to seeing what's next and to, to catching this performance as well. So it's a good My luck for, for tonight then. Thank you very much and thank you so much for having me. It's been really good. Okay, take care. Come with me.
choices from my special guest today who has been the wonderful Bronte Appleby. So just a quick recap. We've been talking about Have a Break, Have a Kit Kat, which is right now on at the 53-2 venue in Manchester. Do look it up. And it's been running from the 14th of June last Wednesday till 24th of June. So there is absolutely plenty of time for you to grab your tickets and it is a show not to be missed so big thank you to Bronte for chatting to us today